Matthew chapter 2, verse number 13. Matthew writes and he says, And when they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child not to, not to say happy birthday and not to, not to encourage his presence. Y'all, this is, this is a baby. This this, y'all is a baby. And Herod is looking for this baby because he wants to destroy him. Y'all too cool for me, but when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt, I have called my people or my nation or my son. <laughs> my topic, my topic is born with parental issues. <laughs> born with with parental issues and y'all just gonna make it real hard I can't move around either I'm just stuck to the, that's alright he is speaking of Jesus it says that the master Jesus is born with a mama and daddy that have got issues. I had never looked at Mary or Joseph as having no issues. Because my focus has been the baby. And I don't know if you can identify with it. But uh, sometimes your mama and daddy they got issues. I've been, I've been at, the, at the hospital and there have been, uh, Lord forgive me, but there have been crack babies born because mama has some issues. We, uh, we pass on some of our issues and idiosyncrasies onto our children, even in our behavior. And, and I recognize the fact that my mama and my daddy have had issues, but I never expected to see any issues in the parents of my Lord and Savior. But as, as we comb quickly through the text, I begin to see and realize that Mary and Joseph, they also had some issues. And I don't mean to... I don't mean to 
uh, uh, to be sacrilegious or even disrespectful. Because to see Mary and Joseph not high and, and lifted up is a, uh, makes me uncomfortable. But when I look at Mary and Joseph, I, I, I just, I, I have to bring flesh and blood and some honesty to the text because I also believe that one of the reasons why we have such issues uh, uh, just individually and why Bible study is not necessarily as fun is because some of us try to sugarcoat what we see and how we see folk. But I just believe that the God we serve wants us to, uh, to approach his word in a real way. Stop trying to dance around the text and make it all, make it all pris, uh, pretty and, and Disneyland-ish. And so, I had to look at, and I never really considered this before, but Mary was chosen by God to give birth to Jesus. So what I did is I began to look through scriptural profiles. I tried to put together a profile of, 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 of who Mary was. But I don't see astounding deeds that Mary had accomplished. The Bible does say that she was chosen because she had favor. But I really don't understand what Mary did that was so special. Mary was chosen, she was called blessed, she was called special, but I still don't see what it was that she did. I look at folk like David. And sisters, most of you who are hollering that I would love to have a man like David. Because he was a man after God's own heart. He may have been light-skinned with green eyes. <laughs> but, but David, if, if, if the average brother were to lay his resume out for a sister to say, I want to marry you, and he lays it out and it's David, I can't have that in my life, child. David was a murderer. David was a man who went after someone else's lamb. David plotted to kill an innocent man and he, he killed an innocent man. But the Bible still calls David a man after God's own heart. So, you know, it's, it's Mary, Mary, I don't see what she did, nothing, nothing special. She was chosen. She was chosen because she was a virgin. But I just, but Hamilton helped me along here. I just believe that, that everyone in here at one point was a virgin. Some, some, some may have held their chastity longer. But did you not know the virgins can have bad attitudes too? And since everybody in here 
at one point, at one point was a virgin. I believe that also everybody in here knows how to get a stank attitude every now and again. Praise God. So Mary was a virgin. But I really don't see what she did. Because I think she may have some issues too. But Joseph. Joseph had had four dreams. And it's not the Joseph of Genesis. Because <laughs> that Joseph in Genesis had dreams too. I guess, I guess if you just Joseph, you're just gonna have dreams, praise God. <laughs> Joseph had to listen to the vision of a dream. The first dream he had told him that his wife would be pregnant, but don't worry about it. I just, I just, I just want to be honest. I want to be real. I, 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 I want to make it applicable. Joseph, who had not touched his wife, finds out that she's pregnant. Joseph knows <laughs> that if he were to stand before Maury, <laughs> Joseph could stand confident. Because Joseph could say, I, he could finish it for him, I am not. I ain't the pappy, praise God. And then Joseph had a dream that told him to take the child and his mother down into Egypt. The, this newborn baby's parents. And as I look at the Savior, man, I just, I, just I, I get amazed. But this newborn baby's parents did not have the opportunity to present his entrance into the world from the sterile confines of a nursery, but from the unfurnished, bacteria-filled basin of a feeding bowl for horses. Dried saliva and food particles are his bed sheets. Jesus was not born into a situation that was flowery and pretty. I'm sure, I'm sure that there were, there were no balloons or blue balloons or invitations to a baby shower that welcomed or ushered in the presence of Jesus. You would think that the savior of the world would have announcements from countryside to countryside but his family couldn't even get a hotel let alone a hospital and that's how Jesus entered into this world because his mama and daddy had some issues he left the confines of heaven and now the first smell to hit the nostrils of the child king smells just like a zoo it smelled no doubt like the unkept bathroom of a dirty gas station. He does not look like a king. They all look like refuse, but this is Jesus because his mama and daddy had some parental issues. Nowadays, if you try to raise up a child like that or bring, try to bring a child into the world like that, folk would fool around and call CPS on you. The first hands to touched the newly born king had not been washed in soap and 
hypoallergenic gel. They were the dirty and tired and unmanicured hands of a Jewish carpenter. And I've always wondered who touched Jesus first? Who, who was the first person to to hold, to hold my Savior? But the Bible doesn't say so we'll move on. <laughs> Joseph Joseph is now told to, to bring his child down into Egypt. So here he was, traveling with a newborn with no rest stations in sight. There were no, there wasn't Walmart for him to get some Pampers or even Similac for the journey. With not much of an opportunity to rest or wean the baby, an angel appears and tells Joseph that it's time to get on the run. It's time to get on down to Egypt. His son's face was pictured on Jerusalem's most wanted list. He was considered at this point to be the baddest baby on the planet. Joseph had to get his wife who he may have had questions about. He had to get her down to a safe place even though he did not fully know and couldn't explain what all happened. But Joseph had to get her there. He also has a newborn baby that he has to keep safe. And at the end of the day with all of the issues that they both had, one thing that I'm thankful for is that when I look at my life, I have issues as well. And since you want to get quiet, I know some secrets about you too. You may not want to say it too loud, but you got some issues too. But I thank God that I serve a God who knows us in and out. And despite our issues, God says, I still love you. And despite our issues, there's still some good things that can come from out of our loins. And I thank God. I thank God that that, that even though they didn't have it all together, Jesus is a shining example to be able to say that it don't got to be pretty for you, baby. It does not have to be the best of circumstances. Everything doesn't have to be laid out all neatly. Because Jesus didn't come through, he didn't come through cuteness, he came through chaos. And the God that we serve says that I can make, I can make beauty from ashes. I can turn around and bless your life, though it don't smell blessed. And because, because we serve a God who knows how to take care of us better than we can take care of ourselves, it just makes sense that along the way, that because because he is the, he is the I am. We can be his isness. <laughs> because he am, I is. My isness is wrapped up in his amness. Oh, because, because he am. He says, I got you.
And I'm thankful to serve a God like that. Because Jesus, mom and daddy may have had issues. But just because they got issues, it don't mean that we have to ride in our issues. I thank God for who he is. Let the people of God say amen. amen. Let's see if we can get some volume on the head Yeah, thank you. Amen. amen. We've been talking about Jesus. This is the season where Christmas trees go up and nativity scenes go up. And uh, everybody's singing Christmas carols and yuletides and all of this festive uh, activity is taking place. And so it was by design that we had all of the speakers and all of the preachers and we wanted to give Mountain View an opportunity uh, to witness and to be inspired by all of the preachers that are here and all the preach the word here. Uh, and let's give God's praise for having a congregation <laughs> testing. Having a congregation, if you can give me a little more volume, please. Having a congregation where the pulpit will never go unmanned. Where there are men who can stand up and in their own anointing, in their own anointing, tell us something about Jesus. At the end of the day, that's who it's all about. Somebody, if we come into church thinking about anything else first, we playing around. It's too late in the evening to play church. People are leaving here. As a matter of fact, all of us are leaving here. You just don't know what's wrong with you. You just haven't been diagnosed yet. You just hadn't had a confrontation with whatever it is that's going to take you out of here. All of us are leaving here, and we don't have time to be playing church. The time for playing like a Christian and putting on the costume and putting on the veneer and putting on the uh, outward garbs of Christianity is gone. Right now, somebody's kidney is failing and you don't even know it. All you know is you're tired. Right now, all of the drinking you have been doing has shriveled up somebody's liver to barely functional status. And all you know is you just can't walk very long without being tired. Somebody, somebody here is sick and you don't know it. We don't have time to play church. Corruption in the government, presidents and rotting up, they don't know God. Hello? Government shutdowns, tornadoes, monsoons, tsunami. All kinds of things are going on in the world that we live in. A lot of bad news, but praise God, it's good to know that over 2,000 years ago, there would be some good news in the newspaper and on the internet of Jerusalem, of Galilee, about someone who would be born, and it wouldn't just be good news for 2,000 years ago, but that good news would travel through the annals of time and be good news in the 50s and good news in the 60s and good news in the the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even in the 2000s, because just as somebody heard it in the 60s and got saved, someone can hear it today and get saved. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is why we're taking this posture. We're taking this posture because there's a generation that want to come to church, but they don't want to walk with Jesus. 
They want to come to church and don't want to walk with Jesus to spectate, to look, to see who's here. Yet, at the drop of a hat, people are ready to praise God for what he's done. But God is not just calling us to praise him for what he's done. He's calling us to follow him, to belong to him. He says, I don't even want your praise if you don't know me. The Bible says, some will say in that day, have I not prophesied in your name? And in your name have I not cast out devils in your name? And he will profess unto them, depart from me. Why? Because you did all of that but didn't know me. I never got a chance to know you. And at the end of the day, it's not the volume of your praise, but the consistency of your walk. That's what it is. So, since Brother Jones didn't do 10 minutes, I'm going to show y'all what 10 minutes look like. I want you to look at uh, Galatians chapter 4. And I'm just kidding with Brother Jones. We, <clears throat> we have that kind of relationship. There's something happening in our world today, in our society Church is becoming very unpopular. Let's look around you. Everybody take a moment and look around this place. It's becoming unpopular. The very successful with cluttering our minds. And what I mean by cluttering our minds is he's been very successful with getting us occupied with everybody else's business that we forget about the Lord's business. Just one look at social media. You look down and just with the flick of a thumb, you miss out on two hours of your life because you're looking at what's going on in everybody else's life. You like what you think is cute. You leave alone what you think is not. You go to people you want to follow and keep up with what they're doing. And under the veil of secrecy, you follow them and see what's going on in their life. And everybody has an opinion about everything. But at the end of the day, none of this will be an excuse for why we don't know Jesus the way we should know Jesus. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4, mm. but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Say amen if you've seen that. Is this Okay. Now, I want you to look at Romans chapter 5, and, and we're almost done here. We thank God for you. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Now, any quasi-student of the Bible can see what's going on here. Galatians 4.4 says, when the fullness of time had came, God sent forth his son. Romans 5.6 says, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. If I wanted to give you something to take with you, it would simply be a familiar phrase. He's an on-time God. He's an on-time God. One of the attributes of the nativity is that God didn't just send Jesus. He sent him at the right time. We live in a society where time is such a precious commodity. Everybody wants it, but nobody has it. You need more time, more time. I didn't have time to do this. I didn't have time to do that. And we're so finite now thinking because we live one dimensionally in a three-dimensional world. Simply meaning we get our minds set on one thing. And once our minds are set on that one thing, we almost forget about the other dimensions that exist in this world. When you have a doctor's appointment and you're running late, you get your mind set on getting to the doctor but you're forgetting that there's a reality already taking place at the doctor's office. You're forgetting that there's a reality taking place on the highway. You're forgetting that the doctor's seeing somebody right now. You're forgetting that life is going on and things are happening. But because we get our minds set one-dimensionally and we're only thinking about one thing, we become completely aloof as to the other dimensions of time. And thus, we find ourselves easily becoming impatient because we think that the only thing going on in the world is the thing we're trying to do. The only thing going on in the world is me trying to get to the airport. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life if you're driving in front of me. I don't care what's going on with the traffic down there. When I get there and I find out that the car wreck is on the other side of the highway, it just makes me angry. Onlooker traffic. I'm just trying to get to my appointment. You're going to make me late. Move. Honk, 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 honk. Oh no, this person looks like they have to put, they had a flat. Oh well. Honk, honk. We're so one dimensional and we almost impose this on God and almost bring God to our level and demand that God see things the way we see it and operate the way we want them to. Thus we pray, even our prayer affected by this one dimensional way of looking at time. I need this and I need it now. Lord, please, Lord, please, I need it now. But the beautiful thing about God is God answers our prayer, but he answers our prayer on his terms. And you say, where are you going with this? Where I'm going with this is God is not a God that's limited to the one dimension we're limited to. In Galatians 4, when it came to the birth of Christ and God sending forth Jesus, the word there 
Eve when everything was complete. It's not talking about a word that talks about the tick-tock of the clock. It's talking about a word that talks about sequences of events that have to take place before Jesus got here. It means God wasn't just waiting on the manger. He wasn't just waiting on Mary and Joseph. He was waiting for the right Herod to rise up. He was waiting for the roads to be set up the way they need to be set up. He was waiting for the development to exist the way it exists. And the way God did it is he waited till everything was complete. Then he sent forth Jesus. If there was no Herod, there would be no one to check Joseph and Mary out of where they were from. If there was no king already established, then it wouldn't, the story wouldn't have gone the way it went because God has a way of waiting till other things happen for one thing to happen. As a matter of fact, I said it wrong. God doesn't want because it takes you being in one dimension to qualify to wait. You have to be in right now to qualify to wait for tomorrow. But the way God is, is he's right now, he's yesterday, and he's already in tomorrow. So when it says the fullness of time, it meant it wasn't just about Jesus being born. It was about other conditions being in place. And when we pray to God and we say God is an on time, we're not talking about clocks and little hands and big hands and hours and minutes and seconds. We're talking about the fact that when things are need to happen in our lives, it isn't that God is waiting and while we squirm in helplessness and hopelessness, it's just that God knows that when this happens, this be set up for you and this is going to be set up for you and if I give it to you now you'll miss the whole story of how I bring it together he's on time because he makes sure everything's in place it is the place meant that creates his on timeness his placement that creates his on timeness we had a couple of members that got a kidney they could have got it years ago. But there had to be a donor. We're one dimensional. We think whatever's in front of us is what God's dealing with. God is dealing with the whole picture. And he says, I know you want it now. I know the world needed a savior now. I know that even, even Rome and the Jews were calling and waiting for years for their savior. But the Bible says when the fullness of time was come. Sometimes God waits to your, God, God sets it up to where you have to wait till your enemies are in place. See, the enemies of Jesus had to be there. Herod had to be in place. And so God says, not time yet. Not time yet. You tired of being sick? Not time yet. The doctor that's going to fix on you is only graduating from medical school right now. Not time yet. Oh, you want a job promotion? The person whose place you're going to take is still having the position. Not time yet. Oh, you're waiting to see how this marriage is going to end up. I'm working with him in ways you have no idea of. 
that's not only going to make things right, it's going to cause him to run back to you and understand that you were the best thing since sliced bread. Stop complaining, stop crying. When the fullness of time comes, when everything is complete, when everything is in place, and I'm so glad because you get it from God in the fullness of time, you don't have to worry about anything else because it's all been in place by the time you get there. And when Jesus got here, Everything was in play. Whoever owned the inn had booked it. It had to be a time where the hotel was booked. Why? Because he was supposed to be born in a manger. And had he got there too early, there would have been some rooms unoccupied. The fullness of time. It had to be where the stables were full. Because he had to be born in a place that was not representative of a king. The fullness of time. And just as God waited fullness of time to send Jesus into the world, he waited to the right time for Jesus to die for the world. It was so the right time that they tried to stone him before time. And he ran. You know why he ran? Wasn't time. He could have, he could have, uh, he could have let them take him, but they didn't, he didn't do it. There was a time where they called him a blasphemer because he says, before Abraham was, I am. And the Bible says that they rose up again to stone him in John chapter 10. But the Bible says he just went right through them. They don't know what happened to him. Why? Are you scared, Jesus? No, I'm not scared. I just know it ain't time yet. And so when they finally came for Jesus, he didn't run. He didn't go and somehow teleport himself through them. He said, here I am. Because that was the right time. Why, God? In eternity, I'm always on time. Yeah, y'all missed that. Let me be real simple. Everybody say eternity. Eternity is the stuff time is made of. What God did to create time is he took a scoop of eternity and he poured it into process and gave it a clock. And when that scoop of eternity goes tick tock for the last time, time will end and eternity will keep going. But because God is in eternity, he's always... on time and that's why Jesus was born at the right time that's why Jesus died at the right time and that's why you heard the gospel at the right time because if you heard it a week earlier you were on cloud nine and everything was going good so God in his long suffering postured himself till you were broken enough for your ears to be open till you were sick enough to be ready to hear what God had to say. And then he intersected the good message of the gospel 
with your broken and battered disposition. And you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. We live in a world where everybody's rushing. Everybody's rushing. Everybody has a schedule. But if you trust in God, you're trusting a God that sits in eternity. Jesus got here at the right time. And he died at the right time. And all of it was done with us in mind. And guess what? He says now, today, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. You think you're here by accident? You think you just said, I'm going to visit? Some of you didn't even come for the word. You came for the singing. We have great singers. But how many times do we find ourselves going someplace for one thing and God meeting something else there? You ever go to Walmart for groceries and end up talking to somebody who ended up being somebody in your life significant? You went for groceries. God sent you for an appointment. Because he's an on-time God. And there's somebody here that needs to take advantage of this time. This is what you've been saying. This is what you've been saying. You've been saying, I need to get it right. You've been saying, I need to do the right thing. I need to be serious about the Lord. And this is what you've been waiting for. You've been waiting for New Year's. No, I know this, right? Waiting for New Year's. And in your mind, as you sit in the scoop of eternity we call time, you're purposing in your mind that I'm going to give my life to Jesus when the year turns over. Here's the problem. The God that sits in eternity knows everything that's going to happen in time other than what your plans are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what the fullness of time comes. It means God sees every event that's going to happen. Somebody has an appointment at 5 o'clock today. God knows everything that's going to happen between now and 5. Not just what's going to happen with you between now and 5. And because he knows everything, he knows that there are some things in place that can distract you. We don't know that. So Jesus says, if you hear me, If you hear me, stop putting up a wall. We ought to be tired of dealing with walls, especially in this nation. If you hear me, if you hear me, if right now something is going on in your mind where you can hear me speaking into your spirit that you need to give me all of you. Don't resist that. Now I'm right on time. God says I'm right on time. But you got to do something with my timeliness. You got to respond. Give your life to Jesus today. You're waiting for New Year's. You're waiting for the year to turn over. Well, brother, you know, I just figure I want to wild out one last time. 
There's one more thing I want to do. I want to wild out one last time. And we use the word time like we know it. Time says, oh, you think we're close. You know what time is saying about you? You That's what time is saying about you. You we tight because you get to your appointments. We tight. You just you just don't. You ever meet anybody that starts talking about you like they know you better than than they actually do? They start name dropping. That's how we do when we say, oh, no, no, we'll get to it. We got time. Time is saying, you don't know me like that. You don't even know me like that. And guess what? Time is not our friend. It is what it is, but it's not friend. And so Jesus says, instead of trusting time, trust me. If you hear me, come to me. Come believing in me. Come changing your heart and turning to me. Come confessing me. Come being baptized for the remission of your sins. I want to fill you with my Holy Spirit. If you hear me, come to me. If you hear me, come to me. If you hear me, come to me. I'm right on time. I set it up for you to be right here, right now for this message because there's something else I want to bless you with. But if you don't blessing you won't even qualify for that blessing if you hear me I'm right on time I'm not the one that's late if anybody's late is you as a matter of fact before you got to your last tribulation I was there waiting on you you cried about it and snot flew out of your nose and you were crying and makeup running but I was already there before your neighbor gave you a tissue I gave you the strength to come through that last thing you came through that's why you ain't crazy now that's why you haven't lost your mind now that's why you are in your own sanity now that's why your soul gotta look back and wonder how in the world you made it over because before you got to that thing I'm so on time that I was walking with you then ran ahead of you and waited for you to get there so that when you get there you wouldn't be all by yourself and even now I'm calling you I'm soliciting you I'm summoning you do you hear me I'm right on time and I'm waiting do you hear me you hear me come to me come to me you tried it on your own you're waiting to make a resolution how many years have I given you that were riddled with broken resolutions oh that job you got you remember you prayed to me about it when's the last time you talked to me period you got what you wanted didn't you and when you got what you wanted, you were through with me until something happens again. I can treat you like a possession or I can treat you like my child. What do you want to be? Come on, everybody stand to your feet. If you need to come to Jesus, now is the time. Now is the time. We're not going to sing yet. Don't wait and say, I'm going to wait. I'm going to go into the new year now. Today is the day of salvation. Look at the word he uses. Now is the acceptable time. Now. There's no time like now. If you heard his voice, God is saying now. If you're unclear whether or not that's his voice, that's a different story. But if you know that's his voice, he's saying now. He was on time with his own son. 
But he was on time with his own son because he had us in mind. So do you hear him? Maybe you're here and you just need to get it right. You haven't been where you need to be with the Lord. And I get that. I get that. You fall by the wayside. You get busy. You start blaming other things and other people. You get involved in relationships. You get hurt. You're trying to work, trying to make a dollar. I used to be 15 cent, but I don't even know if it's that anymore. Life is busy. I got a lot to do. I got to go. What time are we going to get out of here? And don't even know what you're racing time to. The person who was rushing on the highway who had a collision that put him in the hospital never thought when he was left and said, I got to hurry, that he would never make it to his destination but end up with a two-week stay in ICU. So Jesus says... The Holy Spirit says, today is the day of salvation, and now is the acceptable time. Maybe you say, I'm going to walk closer to the Lord. And that's hard, because somebody in here, in order to do that, you have to walk further from somebody else. You don't get to keep walking close with the devil and walk with the Lord. You become a bridge between the devil and the Lord. And they don't agree. And can two walk together? Except they agree. God is saying, what are you willing to give up for me? At the right time, I sent my son at the right time. He died for you. And now I'm telling you, this is the right time. So if you need to come. Now it's the time. What you have something you want to bring to the altar, bring it now. Bring it now. Just start walking. It's altar time. Just start walking. We're going to pray about it. I don't want to tell my business. That's all right. You don't have to tell your business. But I guarantee you, you ain't got no exclusive business. There are at least two other people that got the same business you got. There are no exclusive entrepreneurs when it comes to personal business. So just come on right now. Amen. It's praying time. It's praying time. It's praying time.